Uh, but I want to share with you about, uh, when I leave tonight, being an old youth minister, <clears throat> you know, I'm used to like, okay, one point, two points, okay? But I'm going to give you guys four things I want you to leave remembering tonight, okay? I want you to remember inventory, okay? I want you to think about inventory. God wants us to take, actually, he wants the Holy Spirit us to allow the Holy Spirit to take regular inventory in our lives. If we do it ourselves, we tend to kind of maybe skew things a little bit. Like if you go in the doctor's office and he doesn't put you on the scales and he asks you what you weigh and you weigh 215, you're "Ah, about 200. You know, we tend to skew things in our favor a little bit. So I want you to think about allowing the Holy Spirit to take inventory of your life. And the reason I thought about that, because, you know, Chris has been doing a good job, I think, preaching to us. Chris, and I'm not saying this because the only thing I will get for complimenting Chris is, is, is regardless, we're going to eat at El Toro on Monday. Okay. That's where we're going. So I'm not getting anything out of this, but I think he does a really good job of, of a balance between expository preaching with application. A lot of guys do a lot of expository when it's over. You're like, okay, what do I do with this? And then sometimes it's like, okay, well, here's a short little verse, and then they take 25 minutes telling stories and examples and stuff like that. And I think Chris does a good job mixing his expository, laying out the passage, now here's what you do with it. And I think that we're very fortunate, you know, to have somebody that's uh, good in that, and after tonight, hopefully you'll appreciate him more. But... um, I want you always, I think it's important for us because he has talked about thankfulness and it's made me think, you know, I think I'm a thankful person, but it's really made me think about a lot of little things. Am I, am I truly constantly, continually thankful, uh, praise and, and really examining my time in prayer of just kind of jumping over that sometimes confession, saying exactly what God says about my sins, not lawyering it up. You know, and trying to make a plea bargain, but really saying exactly what God says about my sin. And it's made me think about that on, on Wednesday nights. He's been preaching from Second Peter about a lot of qualities as Christians we need to develop in our lives. So it's important that we regularly allow the Holy Spirit to take inventory of our lives. What are you doing with what I'm entrusting, what I'm teaching you, what I'm showing you? The reason it's important is because, as we'll look at our passage tonight, an unexpected audit is coming. Now, if you've ever been audited, audit is not a bad thing. You know, it's, you know, with church, we're audited every year. That's a good thing. It helps us know, uh, you know, that, that things are in order. Hopes gives you extra confidence. If there's things we need to improve, they point it out to us. If there was some discrepancy, we'd be able to catch that and correct that and make that right. So audits aren't a bad thing, if you're prepared for them, and if you're regularly keeping up with your inventory and stuff, when that surprise audit comes, you're ready. And God wants us to know there's going to be an audit coming in our lives, an unexpected one, either when he comes at his second coming or when he calls us to the house. And we don't know when either of those things are, but there's one coming, and he's going to take inventory of what he has entrusted to us. The other thing I want you to think about is, is, is inventory, um, audit. I want you to think about influence and impact. God's desire, his purpose for every one of you in this room, his purpose for every believer, follower of Christ, is that they have a life of influence and impact. What is true for every person, regardless of educational level, 
regardless of economic background, regardless of whether you live in an advanced country or a third world country, regardless of any limitations that you may have, regardless of mistakes that you have made in your past, God says you can have a life of influence and impact. That is true for everybody. Health, wealth is not true for everybody. But influence and impact is true. It is available for every person. The person living in poverty in the worst country in the world can have a life of influence and impact. For some, it may be one or two or three. For some, it's many. But every person, every one of you can have influence and impact. And one of the things that that audit that we're going to give an account for is that we take that inventory and have influence and impact. And the last thing I want you to think about is one. A lot of times we think one isn't much, but I want you to think one is a whole bunch. One is a lot, and we're going to see that in a minute. We're going to look tonight in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. And Matthew 24 and 25 is out of the Olivet Discourse. There are five discourses in Matthew which are just teaching uh, sections in Matthew, and you know that he was done with every teaching passage because he gave these words, Jesus finished these teachings. And so because of that, you know that he's done. And the fifth one, the Olivet Discourse, uh, it, it is his teaching that focuses on the details of the coming judgment on the Messiah's, the coming judgment on the Messiah's opponents and about Christ's return. In, in chapter 24, verses 1 through 41, 42, it talks about the fall of Jerusalem, the end of the age, the second coming, and a certain return at an uncertain time. So he talks about that. And then following that, he gives five parables about being prepared for that certain return at an uncertain time. And we're going to look at the fourth of those five parables. Now, in regard to this prophecy, Max Andrews makes a good statement, which I will read to you. He says, The purpose of all Bible prophecy, as Matthew 24 is, is to to motivate us to live well today. It is not primarily to satisfy our curiosity about the future. And there's nothing wrong with studying prophecy. You know, we've we've been given Daniel and Isaiah and Revelation, Matthew 24, so we certainly should study prophecy. But the primary purpose of it is to intensify our purity about the present. Jesus was determined to prepare his disciples for their mission. And these passages are to help prepare you for the mission that God has called you to. And his word motivated them to live faithfully to gain future reward for the upcoming kingdom when, when we're called to heaven. So his motivation is for you at that audit to receive rewards, to hear well done. But he did not do it simply so they could get out and get excited about future events and debate them. He did it so they would become thoroughly motivated to follow his commission, the great commission in the present. So the purpose, the primary purpose of prophecy is to motivate us that God's coming back Or we're going to get called to the house and we're going to have to give an account. But it is to motivate us. God's in control. He's in charge. He's got a plan and you are part of that plan. Now we're going to primarily look tonight beginning in Matthew chapter 25 starting in verse 14. And you're familiar with this, the parable of the talents. And it's um, between two other ones that you're also familiar with. But we're going to look with this one because I think it's very important uh, and us understanding uh, 
preparation. But in chapter 25, verse 14, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, can be illustrated by the story of a man, that is talking about Jesus Christ, going on a trip, talking about his ascension after the resurrection. He called together his servants, that would be us who are followers of Christ, and gave them money to invest while he was gone. Some say talents to invest while he was gone. And a talent was a weight. And depending on which translation you look at, that talent could be, one talent could be anywhere from about two months' wages to 20 years' wages. It just depends on what's being weighed wise, and different commentators gave different amounts. But the key thing is that one talent was of great value. A lot of times we look at this and we'll go, I'm the one talent guy, I've only got one. That one talent was of great worth and of great value. And we'll see some specifics about that in just a minute. But he entrusted to them talents. In other words, what was valuable to him, he said, well, I'm gone. You're going to carry on my work. I'm entrusting to you my business, my task, my calling. I'm giving it into your hands. I believe that you can do it, and I'm leaving it here for you to do. Now, I want us to see a little expansion of that. If you would, in your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want us to see a little bit about part of what that talent is that he has entrusted to us. Part of what that inventory that he's given to us, a big, huge part of it, and where you can't go, well, one's not very much. Because look at what he's given to us. In Matthew, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse um, 18, he says, All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. That's what he's entrusted to you. That's nothing little. That's not just one. He has given you the task, you. He's gone, he's ascended, and he has left us here and entrusted us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ himself were pleading with you, be reconciled to God. That's quite a one talent that we have been given. That we have been given the responsibility to be Christ's ambassadors. That we have been given the responsibility to take the message of reconciliation to others. Wow. You can't look one the same when you realize that. And also as part of that one, to help us be effective, Chris has been preaching to us uh, about prayer. And in uh, Matthew chapter 7, I don't know where that is. Uh, I've got in one contact and one, one out. So anyway, but in Matthew chapter 7, he talks about, you know, about, uh, he, he says, ask. In Matthew 11, he says, teach us how to pray. Not only have we been given this message of reconciliation, he goes, and you can talk with me. I'm not leaving you here alone. He talks about in, second, in Corinthians that, that the temple of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit resides in us, that he resides in us. 
And we have that power, the Holy Spirit's power available to us. We have prayer. He tells us uh, in Timothy to study, to show ourselves approved as workmen. He's given his word to help prepare us. He tells us in Galatians 5.22 about the fruit of the Spirit. I've given you this fruit to validate your life and to make your testimony effective. That one talent he's given us, it's a whole lot. And then he goes on in Matthew uh, chapter 24... And he tells us, not only has he left us with those talents, but he says, doing my best with the one contact in here. But he tells us uh, in verse 16, uh, verse 15, he says, he gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it proportion to their abilities and then left on his trip. So he gives to different people different amounts based on abilities. Doesn't mean thinks any less. Maybe the one-talent person can develop into a two-talent or a five-talent person. But right there where they are, he says, here's what I'm entrusting. And what he's entrusting to every one of us is that message of reconciliation. What he's entrusting to every one of us is his word, is prayer, or the fruit of the Spirit, is his Holy Spirit. Every one of us has that. Where the talent kind of expands a little bit is some of us, Maybe nobody in this room, but there are some followers of Christ that have the ability to influence millions. There are athletes, there are business people, uh, there are ministers that have the ability to give testimony to, to millions, and they'll be held accountable for that. There are others, maybe in smaller towns, that, and ministers and business leaders and, and athletes and people with just large influence that have the ability to influence hundreds or thousands. But every one of us has the ability to influence family members and co-workers and friends. Every one of us, God has put people around us. And we may be, as far as sphere of influence, we may be one-talent people, but remember, those one-talent are of great value. If you just have one child and somebody else has eight to influence, is your one child not of immense value? If you have one grandchild and somebody else has 24 Maybe they've got an opportunity to influence more, but is not your one of great value? Is not your best friend, your co-worker of great value to you? And he wants you to know that for some, he has given a lot, for some, but whatever he's given you, it is of great value and it is of great worth. And he wants us to know next that there is going to be that surprise audit. He says, the servant uh, who was given five immediately uh, went out and, rec- and got five more. So he immediately, he didn't wait, he didn't hesitate, he went right straight to work. Didn't make excuses, wasn't worried about loss. And I think God would have, uh, you know, the, the owner would have been fine if he'd have come back and he'd have earned three. Even if he'd have lost it all. But he was out making an effort. He understood he has entrusted this great value. He said, carry on my business. I need to immediately be about this task. And he did, and he had success because he used all the resources that the master had given him for that. It says the servant with two bags also went out. He doubled the money. But the servant who received the one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground, hid the master's money for safekeeping. That doesn't sound too terrible. I mean, he's going to get back. He's not going to be out anything. But what does it say about what he thinks about the master? And later on, he, you know, he says some words about the master. I knew you to be hard and all this. And he's probably just coming up with excuses for what he did. But it says he didn't have a whole lot of respect for the master. He didn't have a whole lot of understanding for who he is. He didn't have a whole lot of respect for what has been entrusted to him. So he went and buried it. 
And it's important for us to understand what we have been given in prayer. And we not bury that. What we've been given in God's word and we don't neglect it or ignore it. What we have been given in that responsibility to take that message of reconciliation to friends and family members. That we don't just, well, you know, it's in that big of a deal. The preacher will handle it. It'll get happen some way and we just go through the motions. A lot of people thought the allusion to burying had to do with the scribes and the Pharisees. Who basically wanted to, they didn't want anything to change. They didn't want anything with their positions or influence to change. So although there's these clear prophecies that are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ that they should have seen and known, they still want to deal with it because they didn't want change. And we've got to be very careful in our lives that was like, we don't, we don't want to change. You know, to do what God's calling me to do, I may have to change something about my personality, my habits, my use of money. My time, my attitude. God may want me to move somewhere else. He may want me to take a responsibility at church. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable right here. I don't, you know, churches that don't want to change, they plateau and they start going downhill. To do what God's called us to do, there's got to be that willingness to change. Maybe he did it because he was afraid. He mentions in there that he was a little bit fearful of the master. And sometimes we can sit on what we've been given because I'll say the wrong thing. I won't know what to say. You know, I'll get in. What if I fail at the task? What if I follow God on his plan for giving and things get tight financially? And sometimes we can let fear hold us back. Sometimes we can bury things because we can look at the guys with two and five. They've been given more. Let them handle it. I, only got, I ain't got much. We'll downplay what we've got. I've only got one. You know, you can't expect a whole lot. We'll let the twos and the fives. They'll handle it. I'll be behind them cheering them. Say, great, great job. You go ahead. And we let other people serve. I get tickled sometimes at church. And if I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toe, but, you know, I am. I guess I am. But sometimes people will pull themselves out of something like, let's say, they, they, you got to do extended session once a quarter. I need to take a break from that. I'm like, seriously? One time a quarter, you're going. And I know they're crying babies and they make messes and all that. And they're not potty trained. But one time a quarter? But it's, I hell, you know. But, man, that is such an important thing to be there, to serve, to care for those children, to parents, to come in to know that there's adequate care. There's not one person or two watching 20 kids. There's several people there, and those children are loved and cared for. And if this is screaming, somebody can give it one-on-one and right. Those things are important. But a lot of times it's, well, I've served my time. Let me tell you something. As long as you've got your cognitive ability and you're here on this earth, God's not done with you. There is no room for retirement. You may change jobs. I know, uh, like, Joanne Gilmore for years taught fifth and sixth grade Sunday school. And she, you know, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm like, oh, no. And then what does she do now? She helps Helen Baxter teach a lady Sunday school class. So sometimes God changes what we do. That's okay. Sometimes you need to take a little sabbatical and step back and get with you and God. But the purpose of the sabbatical is to go back to work. But it's real easy just to bury it and, and I'll let somebody else do it. You know, I'll just kind of take up my spot. I'll sit there. I'll sing the songs. I'll go to the house. But God needs you in his kingdom work. And he has entrusted certain things that only you can do. So there's a lot of reasons that sometimes things can get buried. And he goes on and he says, After a long time, the master returned. Now, this is referring, the primary application of this is talking about the second coming of Christ or when we have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says, but there is an accounting, there is that audit that's coming, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So in other words, 
you are going to be held accountable for what you did with that inventory that God entrusted to you. He's going to hold you accountable. It's not going to be a replay of our life. From our, you know, we're not going to go sit somewhere and watch a replay of our life and see all the sins we did when we were 14, 15, and 16. But God is going to hold us accountable for what we did with what he entrusted us with. What we did with that prayer, with that Bible study, with that message of reconciliation. He's going to hold us accountable for that. And he tells us there, he had caught, and, and the servant who he had entrusted, the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest. I've doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. The master says, you know, it's a small amount. Why? Because I gave it to you. I gave you all the power and resources to be a good steward with it. And he says, you have, done, you have been faithful, and so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He did the same thing with the guy who had given two to but in verse 24, it says, Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you're a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, making excuses. This is why I didn't do it. You can understand. And I, and I struggle sometimes with some of the things, Well, God, here's the reason I didn't tithe. I think you'll understand. You'll get it. Here's the reason I wasn't more committed. Here's the reason I didn't serve. Here's the reason I didn't reach out to my neighbor. Here's the reason I didn't pray more for people. Here's the reason I didn't open up your word. How's that going to play with God? I mean, that's who we need to give. If we get mad about something that's preached, that's who we need to give those excuses to. How's that going to play with God? So he's given excuses, and the master replied, and this is rough. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Wicked. I gave you something of great value. I gave you my message of reconciliation. I gave you people that needed to hear that message. And you didn't think it was important. You just buried it. You tossed it aside. You didn't prepare. You didn't do anything with it. Not only were you lazy, but I'm calling you wicked. And he goes on and he says, in that one he says, but you wicked and lazy, you think I'm a hard man. You harvesting crops I didn't plant and gathering crops I didn't cultivate. We should have at least have put my money into the bank. You should have at least made an effort. You should have at least given a little bit, but you did absolutely nothing. And he says, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with ten bags. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Like I said, the primary application of this is talking about the the judgment seat of the second coming, but there's also an appropriate application talking about this life. When God sees you being faithful, what he's entrusted to you, he will give you more opportunities to have impact and influence. And sometimes... It's not in ways we think. Think about Stephen's life. Stephen was stoned and died, and what happened? His influence and his impact multiplied. The disciples, most of them were killed, or or John on the island of Patmos, their influence and impact multiplied. It's not always the way we think of things. Well, I'll get more stage, more opportunities. God just says, I'll take your testimony, I'll take your life, and it will grow your influence and your impact. And I know people in my life that I didn't think a lot about when I was growing up, but God implanted them in their minds, and I've gotten older. Their influence and impact has grown. I think of Mr. Glenn Carter. Glenn's influence in my life will do nothing but increase. It's not going to decrease. It's going to increase. And that's what God says that he will do. He will give more opportunities for influence and impact. And he says, and this is tough, throw the useless service into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, the primary application whenever time they're thrown into darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth is talking about going to hell. 
And when this is used seven or eight other times, it's talking about because we know Judas, one of the 12, he's chosen. He doesn't get it. So one of these servants that's chosen, he didn't get it. He didn't understand who the father was. He didn't produce fruit in his life. And it showed that he didn't have a relationship with God. That's the primary application. But there's two times when these um, terms are used, and this is one where it could be, where it is referring to the judge, could refer to the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, at the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be like, oh, I missed it. I had the opportunity to have so much influence and so much impact, and I wasted the inventory that God entrusted to me. I didn't value it. I didn't, you know, and there's going to be anguish, and thrown out into darkness would refer to missing rewards uh, that God would have. But regardless of whether it's, you know, being cast away to hell, which would be horrendous, and if there's not a desire to follow God, to honor God, to want to share your story, to want to share your testimony, you need to take inventory of your life. But If you are a child of God, I want you to hear, and God wants you to hear at the judgment seat of Christ, well done, good and faithful servant, and every one of you can hear that. It is not a task that you can't do and you can't accomplish. That's why God left it to you. There are people for Christ that you can influence that nobody else can, and God's put them in your care, and he's given you his message and all the resources you need to do that effectively. I want you to hear, and God wants you to hear, well done. He wants to increase your influence and impact, and he can. Your influence will be increased if you will value what God has entrusted to you. So in closing, remember, God's given you valuable inventory. His message of reconciliation, prayer's word. Let the Holy Spirit honestly examine your life. What are you doing with what God's entrusted to you? There's an audit coming. We're going to give an account for what God. God wants you to hear, well done. He wants you to have that life of influence and impact. Your life can have a life-changing influence on so many people if we'll trust God. And understand that one that he's entrusted to you, that's a, that one talent is of great value. It's his word. It's his message. It's people he's given you to influence. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us and thank you for for caring for us. Thank you for what you did to reconcile us to you. And thank you for those people that you brought into each of our lives, if we have a relationship with you, that pointed us to you, that shared with us, that brought us to church, that shared their testimony. Thank you for that. Thank you for others that have been influences as we've grown in Christ. Uh, that were examples of, of, of strong marriages or examples of a committed man or a committed woman. Thank you for those that helped us through mistakes and through difficulties and didn't give up on us but supported us and encouraged us. Thank you for those that sometimes gave us hard and difficult words because they loved us. Father, thank you for that. And Father, help us all to embrace in here that your desire for us is to have that kind of influence and impact in other people's lives. And Father, if we will simply embrace what you have given to us, to be a good steward of what you've entrusted to us, we can do that. And lives can be changed for eternity. Father, if we'll just trust in what you've given to us and the calling that you've given to us. Father, my prayer is that all of us here are here well done, good and faithful servant. In your name we pray. Amen. At this time of invitation, obviously, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, I want you to know the joy and hope of heaven. Come talk to us about that. But also during this time of invitation, let it be a beginning of just letting the Holy Spirit take an honest inventory of your life. Are you being faithful with prayer, with Bible study, with those that God has entrusted to you, with your witness, with your testimony? Are you giving him your best? 
or are you giving him what's left over, what's convenient? Give him your best and watch him multiply your influence. If you would stand and Wayne will lead us.